Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren from the Great White North over there. There. Anyways, have we got a <laughs> show for you today? We're going to be talking Vikings versus Packers. Yes, it's Packers week. We all love Packers week and we all love a Vikings victory, especially afterwards when you work with that obnoxious Packers fan and that you want to see him suffer the rest of the week. We'll get into that. We'll get into certain things like what do we do with the Vi or with the Packers suddenly having a decent defense? What does the our offense do? Right? Do they stay aggressive, go downfield, or do they actually run the ball? Those questions and more will be asked on Good Morning Gallhorn, two old bloggers starting next. Welcome to Two Old Bloggers, your 2021 pregame show for the Vikings. Hey everybody, it's Dave again, and joining me is my good friend, Mr. Darren Campbell. Darren started writing almost two decades ago. You know him from Grant's Tomb and Kick-Ass blog. I started writing probably about the same time, maybe a little bit earlier, and you know me from various spots around the web, including the Daily Norseman, our partner. Today, we're discussing the fact that it is Packers week. How you doing, Darren? Doing great, Dave. How about that win last Sunday? Uh, hey, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, like um, the most complete Vikings game of the year, I think. Uh, I wonder where that team is every Sunday. But, hey, go on the road. Uh, underdog playing a, a team with a winning record that was uh, fighting to keep the uh, first uh, hold of first place. We go down there and we hold the hold uh, one of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the game, twenty points. Not not bad, not bad at all. It was probably my favorite Vikings victory of the year. There's there's only been four of them so far. So uh, <laughs> over the Seattle one, I enjoyed the Seattle one too. Um, yeah, I guess it. That seems like it was like a year ago. <laughs> that happens. So, it does seem uh, that long. A little, but they stayed a aggressive. Bit of like a recency bias. Mm -hmm. And they me. stayed aggressive, and there was a noticeable change in play calling, especially towards the end of the first half. Um, yeah. Which was good. We well, did, yeah. Yes, but now, we don't, uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um. Now we need to look at this game against our dreaded cross-border rivals, right? The one and only Green Bay Packers. And did I load that one screen? Here we go. Boom. Vikings versus Packers. All right. We, we've been going at it for years, ever since the Vikings were formed back in 1961. Uh most of the time, it's relatively dead even. They've had good times, and we've had really good times. And But recently, they've seemed to have dominated this matchup. However, with Matt LaFleur, the head coach, we have Mike Zimmer and his team has beaten them once. It was last year up in Lambeau in 40-mile-an-hour wins when we had to keep the game on the ground. Let's take a look at this game so far. We normally start out with our stats, so let's do that again. Here they come. Uh-huh. Let's first look at the injury report. Here we go. As of Friday, from both their websites, here's the guys that are out, right? Wyatt Davis is supposedly out with an ankle. He supposedly messed it up sometime during the week. He was limited on Friday, and then they ruled him out. Uh, yeah, I think he showed up on the injury report first on Thursday with an ankle injury, and and yeah, and he's and he's out, and that's not really a big deal because he's not been playing other than some special, special team teams, snaps. Yeah. Um, uh, Rashad Breland's a little bit more of a he's a question mark. That's a little bit more of an issue, or maybe not, uh, depending on uh, <laughs> because if Breland can't play, then that means if Breland can't play, we're assuming that Patrick Peterson will play. Although they haven't announced that yet, I don't think he's practiced no, and everything. He's eligible anyone. to come back. But uh, but if, if Breland can't play, 
that means that uh, Cameron Dantzler, who probably would go to the sitting on the side, standing on the sidelines if Breland and Pat Peterson are both in, mm-hmm. because the the starting three have been at the start of the year were Peterson, Breland, and Mac Alexander. Uh, so would, uh, I think that the a Breland Dantzler switch is actually would be favorable for the Vikings. It, it very well could, and uh, but the Breland thing sort of feels like the Xavier Rhodes thing, where you know. He gets hurt every other drive and then comes back in. And then during the week, they list him as hurt all week long. Whether he's going to be there, I don't know. And the only one left on the COVID list until we hit tomorrow morning is Josh Metellus. Not that that's a... Who is a... uh not a big loss, but he is a key special teams guy on the coverage units, and he has, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that shows up making some tackles at times. So I think while it's not a huge loss, um, I I would prefer if Metellus was playing covering punts and kickoffs like he's been doing all year, and I think he's done a pretty good job of that. I think he even re- recovered uh, a fumble this, or maybe okay, I'm thinking last have. year, but, but he, but he's a, uh, on a, on a punt, but, uh, uh, but he's a, he's a core special teams guy. And, uh, again, not a guy who plays starting on the defensive side of things, not a huge loss, but, um, he won't be there. Somebody else will have to, have to make, step up. take yeah. a step up, but could probably, you know, could be Chaz Surratt, somebody like that who, well, uh, with Barr coming back, probably normally lately he's been uh, uh, not getting to dress, but with Metellus out, um, I don't know. Uh, they they probably bring up somebody like Miles mm-hmm. Dorn or something like that to, for Metellus to get an extra safety in there. We'll see. And then we have, uh, on the Green Bay side, David Bakhtiari's out, which is, to me, a good thing. That should it be is a good thing. thing. Putting pressure he's, on Aaron Rodgers a little easier. Yeah, and he's been out all year. He has yet to play this season. He's getting close to coming back, but it's not going to be this uh, Sunday. And yes, that is uh, good news for the Vikings. Although, again, the, the the Packers have been able to have been patching together um, an offensive line. They've had different kind of injuries. I think they've got El- Elgin Jenkins has been playing for Bakhtiari at left tackle, mm-hmm. and he's normally a, a guard for them. And uh, he, he's, by all what I've read, he's, he's done a pretty pretty good job, and the whole line has done a pretty good job this year, despite having some rookies and uh, lost some guys to free agency, and Bakhtiari has not played the whole year. Still, uh, I think the, not Bakhtiari not playing is a plus for the Vikings. Now, the big Alan Lazard, the other guy, is... Yeah, he's, think, he's a he's a backup wide receiver. Um, yeah, he's a backup so. wide receiver, big guy. Uh, Rogers likes him, uh, but he does. I think he has nine catches this year. Yeah, uh, um, I think I, I catch Taylor, off there, but I think I know where you're going. Malik Taylor is the number one kick returner on a very poorly rated um, special teams. Very poor, and with the way with the way uh, Greg Joseph's been uh, nailing his kickoffs all year, it, it's a lot of games. There's not even a, a kickoff that's returned mm-hmm. um, by the, the Vikings opponents because he usually it's kicks true. them deep, deep out of the end zone. So uh, I don't know how much of a factor Taylor would be even if he was playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big, the big one there is the question mark is Rashawn Gary. Gary. He's their leading sack guy, and, uh, and if he gone. is. Hyperextended Not, elbow from last week. Yeah, so from last week, there was some questions whether he'd uh, be able to play at all, but he, he did practice somewhat, and as I say, he's uh, questionable. It seems that when guys are, which is questionable, is like a 50-50 uh, flip of the coin, but it seems a lot of the times those guys end up at least trying to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not finish the game, but they usually do uh, well, they may be give it a go. A little bit. And with his elbow, yeah. if he's going to play with it, he's going to have a brace on it. So he's not going to be as flexible as normal and as an outside land linebacker slash defensive end. Kingsley, uh, Kiki is listed as defensive end. I don't know why they play 3-5 as their base. But um, when they're limited, that puts the advantage to the guy on the opposite side if he can take advantage of it. Uh, yes, that, that's a great point, Dave. Because, like you say, with uh, if Gary is unable to uh, use that 
what I can't, I don't know if it's his right or left elbow, but if he's not able to use that on kind of bull rushes or and to, he's a bull rush know, guy. Chop, chop, mm-hmm. or to chop down and get, you know, disengage with some hand offensive tackles, hand fighting, that sort of thing. And also on the tackling side of stuff, if that hampers him in tackling, he can't bring down guys because it's painful to do so. Then, uh, yeah, that's an advantage uh, for the, the Viking offensive player, whoever he's either trying to sack or trying to tackle. And Gary is a key piece of that defense. Mm -hmm. I do want to acknowledge who's in the house tonight. We have Mary, Wayne, Stephen from Australia. Raymond's here. Daniel's back. And uh, all of you guys, we're glad you are here. And we're going to continue with some of these outstanding stats before we dive into some of the more controversial topics. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, too. Appreciate it. All right. Um, right now, we here's how our offense ranks versus their defense. And we'll get more into their defense. Like I said in the beginning, it's surprisingly good. If you look at the PFF ranks, they're pretty close. Yeah. Are there they any? are very close. And the same goes with... Go ahead. Football Outsiders, DVOA is close. So very close. The you're looking at uh, it's kind of the same as last week, uh, Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. In that both teams have our strength is throwing the ball and defending against against the, the pass. Uh, the weaknesses are running the ball, according to like the, the the advanced stats and and the counting stats the uh, the um, the weaknesses are Vikings running the ball and the Packers defending the run um, one thing that's been uh, the the Packers have uh, really feasted this season on turnovers they I think they've got 17 as a defense uh, that's about I think that's uh, that's yeah, sixteen. That's three or four more than the Vikings. There's a, they've only had two games where they haven't had a turnover, uh, created a turnover. That's that's really helped them. Uh, you can see that the, they're sacking quarterbacks almost as prolifically as the Vikings are. Twenty four. We've got uh, we're at twenty nine, I believe, at this point. Uh, um, flip over and we'll look. There we go. And uh, yes, we there are we go. tied for first with twenty nine. And. Uh, and we're tied the, for 14, the one thing 12 turnovers. If one thing I wanted to mention about the when we had the, the Vikings offense versus the Packers defense is uh, that uh, while the Packers defense is not ranked uh, great f- by Football Outsiders or by Elias on the, on the rushing on how they defend the rushing, um, I, the, the past three games the Packers have not given up any more than 77 yards rushing total in the game. Uh, in the last three, good. very good. Uh, keeping in mind that uh, that uh, two of those games was uh, against Kansas City, who again Andy Reid only runs the ball when he's bored with passing it, and uh, <laughs> and and Seattle uh, has got absolutely nobody uh, running right now. They got Alex Collins, who's pretty average young guy. They Chris Carson isn't playing right now, so uh, they weren't really facing two high-powered rushing attacks the past two weeks. Thought I'd throw that out there. It's good to know. Flipping the sides, when we look at the Vikings' defense versus the Packers' offense, again, the stats are showing us this is a relatively even matchup. Uh, again, the uh, the 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 advanced stats guys, uh, you, you, you uh, football outsiders and. Uh, PFF like both like the Vikings defense and the Packers offense uh, quite a bit more than I think those of us who watch the Vikings and the Packers uh, closely probably would uh, raise our eyebrows on these rankings by the analytics folks thinking that they're they're not uh, they're they're overvaluing their <laughs> well <laughs> overvaluing their their uh, their abilities I think but are they comparing that to the rest of the league Especially when when we're talking ranks, right? If they're saying the Vikings is the sixth ranked defense, is it? Are all the other defenses not? Pl- I mean, we see the defense and we we nitpick it and we say, hey, you know, Breland could have done better here. Uh, <laughs> we whoever, say that a lot. 
right? We could have done this. We could have done that. Are all the other teams, you know, minus the five above it, that yeah, much worse? That's, that's, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I watch leggy. I don't think there is a grabber. <laughs> not yet. No, not yet. Dave is though. I am. Yes. Uh, the um, I, I think that I watch, and I'm sure you do, Dave. I watch a number of, of football games throughout the week because I've mm-hmm. got Game Pass, so I can watch any game I want. And I don't watch every. Obviously, there are, a lot of them are playing at the same time, so I can't right. watch every game, the whole thing. But I can watch condensed afterwards. I see a lot of defenses and offense. I shouldn't say a lot, but I feel like I can I can count on both of my hands, some offenses and defense that I think are better than what the Vikings put out there on a week to week basis. Uh, so I don't think it's a case of uh, the whole league is, uh, is much playing worse. on uh, that much worse, but that's the eye test of my eyes and I don't know nothing. So <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just a fan, but, and uh, a very overly critical fan of the Vikings too, I'll admit so uh, I think I I think I view their warts uh, and uh, maybe focus on their warts maybe a little bit too much sometimes. But um, hey, that's 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 the way I am. Now, if you look at the raw stats, the Elias stats, Vikings defense doesn't look all that good. Heck, the Packers defense doesn't look great. Um, the only portion where no. we absolutely rock is in sacks and turnovers taken away the ball yeah i mean if you again if you look at again just the the points that the the vikings have given up each game and the points that the packers have scored each game uh yeah that the packers offense seems kind of like a even with aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and Devontae adams is as who's probably the best wide receiver in the game uh if not the best he's definitely in the top three or four you got aaron jones who i think is an excellent running back and and yet they, stats-wise, like counting stats, they're a pretty run-of-the-mill offense this year, which is weird weird to see when you consider the three guys that I just mentioned. Right. And, and, and on, the, on the, Viking, the Viking side of things, they're kind of a run-of-the-mill defense uh, and with some significant weaknesses, mm-hmm. uh, tackling, stopping yes. the run. <laughs> but they have been lucky getting turnovers at certain times and – uh, forcing turnovers. Eric Kendricks is a big part of that. Um, so yeah, I just uh, it's uh, it's it, and it's weird to see that the Vikings are the top, you know are first in the league in, in sacks and yet uh, defensively not middle of the pack uh, and not not an elite or even a very good unit. Uh, usually, if you're getting uh, you're leading the league in sacks, you're generally your defense is pretty stout. And the Vikings' defense has been stout at times in in most games this year, but not all the way through. Uh, last week was a rare exception, uh, and we were happy to see that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our next subject. You wanted to Wang talk is a, Wang is a, telling me not to hold back and <laughs> that the Vikings' defense sucks. I won't go as far as to say they suck, but they do suck at some inopportune times. I will yes, they do. Admit that. All right. You wanted to talk about the job defensive coordinator Joe Barry has done. And you wanted two players featured. They're down there below. I also have the PFF scores and setup of that. It's probably too small for people to see. And it's obviously hidden by the logo on the bottom. I can move that real quick. <laughs> Boom. Those those are some small stats. Yeah, they're small, but you can see the colors, right? You want green and blue, and they have some green and blue, but they also have some oranges in there. Uh, the, the, uh, the reason I wanted to talk about Barry is because I never heard of the guy until he got the defensive coordinator job with, with uh, that team from Wisconsin. He got uh, Matt Lafleur had replaced Mike Patton, who had uh, overseen some uh, iffy and last year downright uh, weak defenses for for the Packers. Which, uh, as a Vikings fan, we always like to see that. 
But Barry's done a heck of a job with this this defense. Uh, it didn't look good the first game of the season. They got totally smoked by the the, the Saints, thirty eight to three. I think a lot of uh, Packers fans were thinking, "Oh, what have we done here?" Barry's a, a coach. He's a linebackers coach. He's got a big pedigree in coaching the linebackers. The, the Packers run a three four, of course, and they have really stepped things up the past three four games. Um, they they were I, they won the Arizona win, although everybody was talking about. I, or I shouldn't say everybody, but it seemed to me a lot of the focus was on how Rodgers was able to and Matt and Matt Lafleur were able to come up with a game plan and execute it against the Cardinals without any wide receivers at all to throw to. But really, I felt that. The MVP of that game was the Packers defense, defense because the the first the first half as in particular they totally shut down the Cardinals and Kyler Murray in a way that we hadn't seen all year. The second half the Cardinals got it going a bit, but it was a bit too late. And then the Chiefs, Mahomes has struggled at times this year, but to go on the road when you've got Jordan Love sucking hard in his first start and giving you no help at all. They played a tremendous game there, giving up only 14 points, no matter how much Mahomes is is struggling. And then last week, I know that Seattle doesn't have any kind of a running game, and they're not a great team this year, but anytime you can shut out a team quarterback by Russell Wilson, you've done a great job. And Barry is doing a heck of a job right now. And that's, and it's, you know, it's, Dave, if you look, and he's done it without Jair Alexander, who's a great corner and the, the best corner that the Packers had, and Zadarius Smith basically has played only a handful of snaps the whole year. He's been out. Those really it would be what I would consider the two best players on the Packers' defense, and they haven't played in a long, long time. And yet this defense, the sum is greater than the individual parts. They're getting good work out of, like, Rashawn Gary, uh, Devondre Campbell, great last name, but I hate the team he plays for, but he's really been a huge part of their defense this year. Dean Lowry pictured in there. He's another guy, uh, inside guy, but he's he's a fellow that can really create a lot of pressure up the middle from his inside um, from the, the inside kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they got two very good safeties, Savage and Amos. It's it's a it's a defense with not a lot of what we would consider star power, like most, uh, I think, you know, a lot of NFL fans know who Eric Kendricks is, who Anthony right. Barr is. They know who Harrison Smith, Smith is. is. They know who Daniil Hunter is. But they they probably couldn't name a lot of the guys on the Packers defense right now. But yet the Packers defense is playing as well as any defense outside of probably the Patriots in the NFL right now. And this is a huge, huge um, challenge for the Vikings offense, which they need to be able to... Uh, they need to be able to not just uh, they've got to be able to spit it out of course yeah well I'm trying to say they've got to be able to score some points of course they've got to score some points but but they need to score more than what they have been doing at home Uh, you know that they have 7 points against the Browns 19 points against the Lions and then 16 against the, the Cowboys and I don't think any of those defenses at those junctures are playing as well as the Packers are now for whatever reason the Vikings have not been a very good offense at home this year except for the Seattle game but that's kind of looked like an outlier Uh, so I'm really concerned about the ability of the Vikings to offense to generate enough um, positive gains on first and second down and third to keep the chains moving to move the ball down the field and to get score enough points to, to win this game for us, considering the way <laughs> I need some bourbon to warm up, Joseph says. Yeah, well, well yeah. it is cold here today. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like minus 20, 20 Celsius and the wind chill is something else. But uh, just a, the, 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 the Packers defense, we're not used to being, the past couple of years, I, we're not right. used to being concerned about them uh, as uh, we usually are used to them being the weak link of this team. This year, they're actually, so far, they're the strength of the team. Uh, And that is not something that you want to see because uh, at any time, Aaron Rodgers uh, can have one of those Aaron Rodgers-types games. And if you can't keep up with them scoring-wise, 
It's going to be a long day for you. Now, you had mentioned Joe that- Barry. Joe Barry's got to be, you know, we've got to tip the hat to Joe Barry for the job that he's done, however the hell he's done it this year, uh, to get the Packers defense where it is right now. Oh, he, and he has. And it's surprising to me. But yes, um, but let's talk about why is it at, why are the Vikings playing better on the road than they are at home this season? Wow, Dave, that's a, that's a great question, uh, and I don't have a great answer for it. Uh, could it be that they – I never buy this argument, but people always say, well, at home, teams on a show, and uh, you know they, they don't play solidly and they take too many chances. It seems to me the Vikings at home do the opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. They aren't trying to put on a show. They're trying to be extra, extra careful so the bluebirds don't come out and shit on them too much. And then they run a whole bunch of bogus plays that uh, that have no hope of of succeeding. Yeah, and it's third not long, like you got to worry about down, two yards to CJ Ham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not like you've got a. There there can't be any difference in how they're approaching their play calling, uh, how they're. Uh, there's different teams here, so of course you can't. You've got to attack them different ways. You're going to have slightly different game right. plans for each defense you're going on. So it seems to me it's just an anomaly. You don't have to worry about crowd noise. You're playing at home. Although in right. this game, crowd noise might actually be a factor because it's it probably going to be is, like 60, 60% Vikings fans and 40% Packers fans kind of thing. Well, so, it's um, like uh, um, Ryan from Climbing the Pocket, our network, who's on uh, – um, Wednesdays, he talks. Normally, he sells his Packer tickets because that pays the selling his home Packers tickets pays for like eighty percent of all his season tickets. And I know a lot of other season ticket holders that have said the same thing. You know, and it's I sell that one. I don't like it, but I sell that one because then it lowers my costs and I get all the rest of the games. Um, yeah, but and it's a business decision. We hear that stupid saying that starts with <laughs> a go and ends with a go. Yeah, that yeah, drives us all yeah, bananas. No. And for those that are yeah, asking, uh, Darren and I talked about it before the show. Yes, I am drinking bourbon right now. I am saving. Uh, I got about a six pack, six or seven beers left. I'm saving that for tomorrow. During the game, the I'm just going with H two O. All right, we've gone over that. Um, let's get let's click over to their offense. You wanted to talk about their bowling ball of a running back, Mister A J Dillon. Yes, six feet, two hundred and fifty pounds. Last year, the didn't um, he looked? I remember when the the Packers made this selection, and I think I was watching actually your uh, your draft show at the time, where you had a whole bunch of people on there, and uh, that, that was and great. You guys, wait till next year. you guys, you guys did a. Some yeoman's work that two years ago, Dave, you're on the like the you did the the, the first day, the second day, and the third day. We and, did it this it, year too. I remember, yeah. But it, I remember when everybody that was on that show was like loving the fact that the, the Packers took a running back right. and a, like a 250 pound running back when they needed wide receivers. Obviously, everybody was like, "That is ridiculous! What is Gunkos?" Gukunt's doing like brutal pick and last year in his rookie season it did look very bad because Dylan didn't play much they had Jamal Williams along with Aaron Jones um, and when he did play he wasn't particularly effective he kind of dropped he had fumbling issues but this year he's delivering on that promise that uh, the Packers saw when they drafted him in the second round and he's looked like the guy at that he was at Boston College which is mm-hmm. a dude that's going to break a ton of tackles is a uh, is, uh, uh, better receiver out of the backfield than you think and is a huge load when he gets, uh, you know, get ahead of steam going. And well, when you think 250 pounds, that's 
roughly a little bit bigger than our linebackers right now because we go with smaller linebackers. That's that's uh that's a a mass that's moving and these guys know how to pump their legs they know how to drive they don't they've been doing it their entire lives right and they live for it and that will be something that we're going to have to be careful of because i suspect that they will use a lot we looked at the stats right vikings aren't very good against the run so if you're not very good against the run, what do you do? You run the football. And, it, and even if you're, they aren't good against the run, Dave, and they've had, it wasn't an issue last week, That was, but we know that we've talked about it just about on every show, why the Vikings have trouble tackling. We don't know, but they, mm-hmm. they miss a lot of tackles. They get first contact, but don't take the, the ball carrier right. down on wrap, first contact. Wrap up, they, they don't yeah, wrap up. It, they get the, the ball carry often gets two, three, sometimes four, sometimes five extra yards after first contact. And A.G. Dillian is one of those guys that's going to has, has at his size with the uh, and he ain't, he ain't slow. So he's got the ability to do that to you again if you've got a poor tackling team, even if you've got a very good tackling team. Uh, so really, but if the Vikings have to not just the first guy who contacts him, but they need we need three, four, or five defenders. We, we need get the ball tackles. rallying to team tackling, rallying to the ball. Like uh, Joseph was talking about, get them low, yeah, and get them low and get them high. Not just depend on one guy or two guys to take them down because that's in other games that uh, lately with Dylan getting a bit more work, he had a very good game against the Cardinals. That was kind of a I'd say it was a bit of a coming out party for him, mm-hmm. but he broke. Like I lost count of how many tackles he broke against the Cardinals in that game. He was he was more effective than actually Aaron Jones. It was a bigger part of the running game than Aaron Jones was. And and Aaron Jones is usually a huge pain in the ass for the Vikings. I hate facing that guy. Yeah. But Dylan is in last week, same thing, breaking tackles against the Seahawks. Uh it's you know, if if the Vikings can not consistently prevent him from getting five, six yards of care, even four, uh, then it's going to be so much easier for Aaron Rodgers to do what he does, you know, uh, facing second and six, second and five, second and four. And then then that just gives him a whole bunch of options. He can go deep or do the other thing that they are really good at is they love those wide receiver screens, throwing quick out to the line of scrimmage, to the tight end, to the running back, a couple of blockers in front of them. All of a sudden, boom, they've got seven or eight yards out of a play that looks like nothing. And and Rodgers gets rid of the ball so quickly with kind of a quick a sidearm kind of throw. You can't bat the ball down, and he gets it out. And to the receivers, before the, um, the defensive line is even really rushed or even knows what's going on, and they can't react in time to beat the blocking that's been set up in front of them. So the, the Packers' short passing game wide receiver running back tight end screens that they run are going to be even harder to stop if we can't stop AJ Dillon and prevent him from getting four five six seven eight yards per carry like we've seen the Vikings defense give up to a lot of other receiver mm-hmm. a lot of other running backs this year some good some not so good and uh, the one thing we've got to worry about Dylan is known always, and any good back does this, but he's known to fall forward. If you're tackling him and he falls forward, that's an extra two yards, right? Yeah. It, he's not going to be easily stood up. His center of gravity and everything is too low. So you've got to, like we said before, team tackle this dude. And really, if... The, the Vikings are another thing they've struggled with is really, I, I find like meeting the running back at the line of scrimmage or a bit before like getting that penetration. Like it seems like a lot of times Kendricks bar, whoever the linebackers are defensive tackles, defensive ends too. They're meeting the running back after he's already got a little bit of head of steam two one, two yards past the line of scrimmage. And then it's almost too late to really stop them from getting the, the five and six yard gains that right. that you're trying to prevent on running downs. And not not to mention that uh, 
the, the other offense, the offensive team we're facing has usually got blockers pulling and out into space that you're also trying to get around right. and find the running back. And trying to get to that second level and get their hats on them. Yeah. yeah. You, you won't be able to, it won't be, uh, it won't, the defenders won't have a hard time finding Dylan like last year with Austin Eckler <laughs> or Aaron Jones because he's so big, but uh, you just don't want that big guy getting the legs going with a, uh, mm-hmm. a good head of steam because uh, that's really going to make for an unpleasant collision for our defenders, especially our safeties and our defensive backs. And we, who I don't think will want uh, anything to do with uh, AJ Dillon with a good head of steam going on his way. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Next on your list, you were, we were talking about how the defense can stop. We just did that. Um, the only other word we've got out today is, Willikies was not was not upgraded to the active squad this morning, but that does not mean he won't be tomorrow. Um, he's back on the practice squad, and as we know, we can activate somebody twice off the practice squad before they're permanently on there on the team. We there was some disappointment chatter today. Uh, because Willikies played well, we would like to see that, but we'll have to wait till tomorrow to find that out. You talked. We do about, know that he's off the COVID list. He is uh, off the so COVID list, yeah. and and it may be that they're trying to see his. Um, <clears throat> Willikies had it right, if I remember correctly. He did have it. He did yeah. have it, as so, far as I know, and and so maybe depending yeah, on the he severity, he wasn't part of the false positives, and yeah. so he may have lost weight, and they may be, you know, waiting for him to build up strength. It's just like, who are we playing at center tomorrow? Is it Bradbury, <laughs> or or is it um, the other dude, um, Mason Cole? Yes. Mason Cole, and is Mason Cole? If it is Bradbury, is Mason Cole moving over and playing right guard? These are questions we won't find out because Zimmer already said he's not going to tell anybody until tomorrow. So, um, yeah, there was, yeah, uh, there'd been, I'd, I'd heard some indications earlier in the week that uh, the Vikings weren't guaranteeing that Bradbury was going to get his starting job back. Right. And then I thought they I were read else somewhere else. And then I thought I read somewhere else where later in the week where there's an indication that it looks like Bradbury actually would be. It was looking that they're, I don't know if they're reading the tea leaves or what they were doing, but it was looking like uh, that that one report I read. It was the indications were that Bradbury might was pro- looking like he was going to get his starting position back, uh, which I think would be a mistake. But I think uh, I think the reason one of the things well, I heard is Bradbury is better at calling coverage blocking assignments well it's great for him to call it i like when he called it he'd actually block the guys for a change uh yeah there's the mic we're gonna do this we're gonna do this we're gonna do that and i'm gonna be fucking forklifting up and putting cousins lap. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's a good one uh but anyways now we're talking about this defense. How do we defeat this defense? Where do we need to go? Well, uh, one thing that has to happen is, uh, if you might remember, um, last year in, in Lambeau, and actually even in the game, first off, Dalvin Cook, it'd be nice if he had a, you know, if we had a successful day rushing the ball. I think we say that every week, but... Uh, this week, it seems uh, a little bit more important because the Packers have got a pretty deep secondary, and it's a pretty good secondary even without Jair Alexander playing. They've still been in, able to to defend the pass very effectively uh, and the run very effectively lately, too. But I don't think, again, they've faced a running back like Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin has had some big, big games against the Packers in the past, Last year, the Vikings ran very effectively in both of their games against the Packers, but uh, unfortunately in the season opener, they, the score got away from us so quickly that they, they couldn't utilize Cook 
in the second half at all because they were just playing catch up. Uh, and all Viking fans who watched the game last year know how good Cook was in that game. And they also know how well the offensive line played in that game because there were some massive holes for Dalvin to run through in that Drive game. Truck. Uh, the, the likes of which we have rarely seen <laughs> in recent memory. Uh, so obviously if we can get the running game to be uh, pretty effective, um, that is going to be a huge help to the offense because the Packers get after the quarterback pretty good, even without Zadarius mm-hmm. Smith playing this year. And, and uh, so Cook's got to be a big, big part of this game. Uh, he's got to be successful running early and often. My question is that uh, for, for Dalvin Cook, it's not all on him. I think if you give him a crease, it doesn't have to be a big hole. He's going to find that crease, and he's going to get some positive yards. But I, I do have concerns about um, whether if it's Bradbury is back in there and you got Udo in Cleveland flanking him, uh, Udo's taken a ton of penalties and his grades aren't very good when you look at pro football focus. Uh, I think Cleveland's been a disappointment to me. I think he's been struggling and his grades aren't very good. The interior, uh, Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill seem to be doing fine, but those three guys are the really weak links. And if we provide, if we can't run between the tackles, I don't think we're going to be very effective pitching and going out wide too. Like you've got to be able to have that variety in the run game. And I just, the way the, the Packers defense has been playing lately and the fact that our two guards in our center, if it's Bradbury have really struggled run blocking and pass blocking too. It just seems like that's a, that's my concern uh, with well, getting the running game. Just going. to let you know, um, since we're in the stats, I was looking at sharp football stats, and Warren does. Uh, Warren Sharp breaks down running against defense in which direction. He also breaks down offenses. What's best um, against the Packers defense? Uh, it is best to run to the left side. That would be over Derisaw. Um, Outside, they give up 5.7 yards per carry, which is, that's not good. That's, uh, I mean, it's good for the offense, but it's not good for the defense. Uh, it goes down, tackle the guard on the left side is 4.9, and then it gets really, really stingy in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it stays that way. And it's even worse when people run to the right on them. Um, off of O'Neill's side. So it should be interesting to see Clint and whoever's helping him, how they call that <laughs> um, to the game. If And Darren's chuckling because I, uh, oh, yes, I can, Wayne. I could open holes, guaranteed. Um <laughs> Even at my old age, maybe once, but that would be it. Um, but it was interesting to hear that uh, it was on a podcast between Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin that they had Purple this, Insider, they call yeah, it. Yep, on Purple Insider, Matt's uh, Matthew's podcast. They were talking about how the play calling in the first half, especially in the first half of last week, changed, and that Clint Kubiak is getting help. They knew he was getting help on the scripted plays, right, that have all been so good all up until last week, which was the first time we didn't score in an opening draft. Um, But how we basically stayed, the aggressive deal was directed by Zimmer, but he had some help calling plays at the end of that first half. And Courtney says, Courtney and... Matthew both asked leading questions to try to get it out. Zimmer didn't say anything. Clint didn't say anything. But they go, we know you're getting help, just, and we know who it is. Why won't you say it? So hopefully whoever that somebody is, and there should be somebody, uh, I'm betting it's our quarterback's coach, 
they should, hopefully this helps in this game as well, is what I'm hoping for. There's a lot of hope in there. Uh, probably a half yes, dozen times. It's, uh, it's, I want them to do that. Clint's obviously a rookie at calling plays. There's other people on that staff that have called plays before. Let them assist him like he did last week, and let's turn this into a positive. That's what I'm saying. And, um, yes, if, if, I don't, you know, I don't know how it works on most teams, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, they always say uh, two heads are better than one. And mm-hmm. uh, I certainly, especially with Clint Kubiak being first-time offensive coordinator, I would hope that he's getting help, suggestions from the offensive staff on what to call even during the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly, even if I was an experienced coordinator, I would You'd appreciate that. You'd want other that. people chirping uh, and saying, hey, you want other, this yeah, you, work. You, you, you oh, want some. You want some opinions. You want some opinions down there uh, in in that game. And now it has to happen quick, and it doesn't mean you're going to accept them. But uh, it, uh, if somebody else can give me an idea of a play uh, that they think is going to work because they've seen something that I haven't seen because I'm worried, you know, I'm so concerned about calling the next play and the play after that, uh, that could be a good thing. And uh, it seemed to the second half, the Vikings offense did some really good things. And and the other part of being successful against the Packers defense, I think. I don't know if it's going to work, but you know, there's three, there's about four plays in that Vikings Chargers game offensively for us that really stick out. Mm-hmm. It was a third and 15. Uh, Cousins completed an, an 18 yard pass to Jefferson. There was a second and 20 that, and, and, and the, that third and 15, the ball was thrown past the sticks. It wasn't a mm-hmm. case of Jefferson. Yes. Uh, caught it and then got an extra three or four yards the second and 20 now yes that one was thrown probably around the 15 16 yards mm-hmm. beyond the line of scrimmage and, and then jefferson did the hero <laughs> thing and he and, and he, he will carry that one extra, over. yeah carried, carried, but still it was second down we uh you know a 16 yard pass close to the sticks uh there was another then there was a third and um the the, the third and 20 late in the game, the, the dagger drive again, thrown about 18 yards, not past the sticks, but close enough that gave Thielen caught it, gave us a chance to go for it in fourth and two. And then there was the third and six earlier in that drive where cousins, instead of looking for something short, they took a shot, made a throw down the right sideline, trusted Jefferson Mm-hmm. Big, big gainer. Great catch by Jefferson. You know, pretty good throw by, by Cousins, but a great, greater catch by Jefferson. And we get a big first down on a third and six instead of punting it to the Chargers. And that was, those were aggressive type of calls, like the, the graphic is showing up there. Yep. And those are kind of, of uh, down and distance situations where we're not used to see, we haven't been used to seeing the Vikings try those, take those chances particularly Cousins, take those chances, be aggressive. Instead of normally when we're in second and 20 or third and 15 or third and longer, it's automatic. Just drop it to C.J. Ham or Dalvin yeah. Cook. Uh, let's Behind the line of tackles. Yeah, maybe two let's yards. Hope they break 20. You know, let's hope they break 20 tackles. And maybe we get a first down, but at least we won't get an interception. Ooh, or have an incompletion. Ooh, you know. Instead of trying to get the first down and keep the drive going, we tend to play it safe so much in those situations. Against the Packers, we're going to be faced with more of those down and distance situations. Hopefully not too many of them, but they are going to happen. And when they do, we need to be we need to try plays to get first downs instead of playing it safe. And one of the things that was mentioned in that uh, podcast that with Courtney and Matt Collar that you, you, you sent to me and I listened to it and it was very interesting was, was um, earlier in that show, they were talking about how they felt that they were kind of placing the blame and they felt the wide receivers were placing the blame on a lot of these wimpy, non-aggressive calls on Cousins, that he's trying to be too perfect, trying to avoid making mistakes, and so he's going short instead of taking chances. 
Uh, and in the Chargers game, for one game at least, we saw a different kind of Vikings offense and a different kind of Kirk Cousins. And we need to take chances against the Packers. We need to do that the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yes, but particularly in this in, we'll and we'll just start with this tomorrow's game. game. Yes. Hey, want to thank Anthony for joining us, guys. Tim and G Mac. You are here. Um, Anthony asks, with Ole Udo being a holding machine, uh, why isn't why aren't we starting Wyatt Davis? From everything I'm hearing, reading, and talking behind the scenes, Wyatt Davis just isn't getting it yet. He has not gotten there in practice. He's not getting there in games. He has not stepped up to the level where he is better than Ole Udo. And that's why he's not seeing the field. It's as simple as that. It's a big jump when you go from college to professional football. And it it takes a lot. Everything speeds up. Plays are more complicated. It's not simple rules that if the guy is on my hat, it's this. If he's on you know, my shoulder, it's this. If he's on this shoulder, it's that. It's not those simple rules anymore. And from what I'm hearing from sources that report on the team and sources inside the house, he's just, he's not ready yet. Doesn't mean he won't be next year, but he's not ready this year so far. That's why. And probably even more uh, what's what's telling about the fact that he's not ready is that even when they've had the opportunity, the Vikings lately, to bring in an extra blocker on those heavy packages mm-hmm. or the time when Udo went down just for that one play, they've actually been bringing in Blake Brandle as the other offensive lineman and as the uh, replacement for AJ, for uh, for Ali Udo uh, two or three games ago. They haven't been bringing in Wyatt Davis for those right. types of plays. So uh, that that's another indication that the coaching staff does not trust Wyatt Davis, Davis at all at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plumbo, yes, we talked about A.J. Dillon and uh, how he's a bowling ball and will have to team tackle. Yes. GMAC, I've also often wondered, is it a, an Ohio State team? Does Ohio State just produce excellent, you know, college football records and then most of them don't turn out the pros? We'll find out. Uh, hopefully they have a quarterback that won't in Chicago. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the uh, that, that's a bit of the question for us because, of course, we had the Pat Elfline experience that didn't go so well. And then there was a, a you know another center that came out of uh, uh, Billy Price, I think it was from Ohio State, was highly regarded. Uh, got picked by the Bengals, and I think he's moved on, uh, and he hasn't really panned out either. So uh, th- there's a few examples of there of Buckeye offensive linemen who had great college careers, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. in the pros, it's been a it had been it had been a tougher sled for them. Uh, we're hoping that doesn't happen with Wyatt Davis because, again, an All American. Uh, and uh, had had a lot of had had and still do have high hopes for him when uh, with the Vikings picking him in the third round and considering you know we didn't have a whole lot of uh, great um, prospects uh, lined up ahead of him prior to the season starting and I I don't think any of us saw Ali Udo getting switched to right guard and, and getting, get, becoming one of the starters there but here he is uh, getting and five penalties a game while he's at it. He has some flaws that he resolved um, the holding part of it, and it may have been coached that way. Initially, it needs to be coached out of him. But he surprised me, even with all the holding. Holy Udo has surprised me. And Wayne asks, well, why don't they simplify it for Davis? Because if you simplify it for Davis, you're simplifying it for the defense as well, and you don't want to do that. that in, can end up in even worse uh, results. So they're not willing to do that because it's all interlocked about how the entire offense works, and especially with guards and how they block. They're blocking assignments not only on pass defense, but on running and pulling and doing all the things they do. No, it's not a good idea to do that. The, the the folks on the chat are bringing up some uh, blast from the past of uh, Ohio State linemen. Orlando Bates, Corey, Corey Stringer. Stringer was awesome. Uh, 
Dude, rest in peace, Corey. Don't, Big man. Don't forget Kirk Loudermilk. Mm-hmm. Kirk Loudermilk, baby. Center. Uh, and uh, I see Raymond's asking about Bynum, if he's going to get playing time with Smith coming back. And the I answer to so. that, I believe, is no. I hope so. Uh, I hope there's some sort of rotation or they start playing the big nickel and they use him that way. Yeah, that, that's the only really the only thing where they have they pull a they have him do the J Ron curse mm-hmm. uh, role and play the big nickel, even though uh, curse was a real big nickel at six right. four and Bynum's you know Bynum would be a smaller big nickel. Well, uh, say, but of course Bynum was a cornerback. He was a cornerback, so he's got those coverage skills. But uh, he really, what I understand is he he really struggled in, in, as playing kind of a slot type of position. Like he was he was better on the outside. I don't know at at, at the big nickel how much of an opportunity he would have to do that. But it certainly is uh, with the way he's played the last two games, the plays he has made. Uh, it feels like he's earned some more time. Now, uh, of course, do we it was, see a small sample size? Where you got the three safeties, well, three corners, Eric Kendricks, and then the front four. It could be because the the, the Packers often run four and five guys wide out. Receivers. Uh, not catch. just wide receivers, but just guys. Yeah, yeah. like it'll, it'll be a running back. It'll be be four wide receivers and a running back, or it'll be three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. But they're not along the line. They're out wide. They're in bunches, and you, you need some guys that can cover on that. With Barr being back and Kendricks being back, they're going to be taking some of that load, uh, just like they have in the past. Uh, but And with Peterson back, that means now we've got Peterson, Mac Alexander, um, Brashad Breland, if he plays tomorrow, and Dantzler as your four top corners, in which case... Where do you see Bynum sliding in there? Mm, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to see him very much uh, unless there's an injury to, to say, Xavier Woods or Hitman. Uh, it's a bit of a shame because we, we need to see uh, someone like Bynum and need to see whether these two games was, was not a is – it, was it a fluke or is it something that he can continue to play at that level because next year Xavier Woods likely isn't here. He's on a one-year deal. And uh, so you, you need to probably you need a replacement for Xavier Woods, and I think the it would way be Bynum's good to see him played, on that side versus yeah. this side. And I believe that Bynum was actually the backup to Xavier Woods. He was the backup. Hitman got her. Yeah. So they've already got him kind of trained for that that free safety side of things, um, but um, and the early results have been encouraging for him just playing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph asked, where's Harrison Hand bent? I think he's on IR. No, he's back. He had been on COVID, the COVID list, and then he got back. But he's just been um, – he, he's behind the Chris Boyd on the depth chart, if you can believe that. And so, Whoa. yeah, the opportunities have not been there for him to play other than on special teams when he's been able to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is on the roster. He's on the – because when uh, when when Breland went went out a couple of games ago, uh, they Chris Boyd came in. Hand was dressed in that game, and he could have played, but they put Chris Boyd in opposite of of Cameron Danzler on the outside against uh, Ravens, and and Boyd proceeded to give up uh, was thrown at twelve times and gave up eight completions, and the other four weren't completions only because the Ravens receivers either dropped them or Lamar Jackson overthrew them, <laughs> but they were open. Uh, so he didn't have Chris Boyd didn't have a very good game against the Ravens. Now, we're at the end of the show. I gave my prediction on Wednesday. I picked the Vikings to win. What was win. the prediction? Huh? So you, you what was your prediction? What was the score? Um, where's my notebook? It was Vikings thirty-one, Packers twenty-four. The Vikings are underdogs by one point. That's steadily gone down all week. It started at two and a half, I believe. Now it's one. The over-under is at 47. I picked the Vikings 31 to 24, which would give me the over and also bust the, um, they get the win. What are you thinking? Because I'm not going to pick the Packers. I can't stand them with you know, everything in my being 
They irritate me. What are you picking? Dave, in, in past years when the Vikings would, were playing in the old Humpty Dome, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, I would have, this would have been a game that, even with the Packers having a better record than the Vikings and looking like the better team, I would have picked the, the Vikings to, to win this one uh, because uh, the Metrodome would be super loud. Uh, it just seemed like, a, even though it was a crappy place to watch a game, from what I understand, you know, it's, it's, it, was a, it was an intimidating place for opponents to play. And it was loud. It was now, like watching in your living room, almost, except for it was loud and you were, you know, tight in there. And, and it was fun because you were with the people. I mean, players were – seats weren't that bad, but they weren't – I mean, and the views weren't that bad. I can't compare it to U.S. Bank because I haven't seen a game there. So um, – yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't a premier spot to watch a game. Put it that way. Yeah, and the, but the the bank hasn't been a home field advantage for the Vikings the past two seasons. They're two and two there this season, and and over the past last year and this year, they're five and and uh, seven overall at home. Uh, and uh, we talked about earlier about how they've been struggling on offense at home. I think that the the Packers, the coaching the coaching staff is uh, they, Matt, Matt Lafleur is proven to be unfortunately the right guy for the job there they've got um, a defense defensive coaches and staff which includes jerry gray the old vikings defensive back coach that we let Mm -hmm. go for some reason that they've got their defensive coaches are really working doing a great job with their defense i just feel i i I don't trust this vikings team even after what i saw last week uh the vikings seem to be on this kind of win one lose one Win one, lose two. Win, you know, maybe win two, then lose two. You know, they haven't gotten on a roll. Uh, they're too mistake prone. Their coaching staff does not prepare them properly, I think. And I don't see them winning this game, unfortunately. Uh, I think it's going to be 23-14 for the Vikings. The Vikings are going to struggle on offense because uh, the, uh, they're, they're not going to get big plays. They're going to have to grind out. Uh, a lot of drives, which they will not be able to do. And the I don't think the offensive line, particularly the interior, is going to be able to protect Kirk Cousins enough so that he's comfortable enough to take those aggressive throws that we saw last week. He got pressured a lot last week, too, more than I was expecting. but uh, And he made some tough throws. But this is the kind of game where in the past Cousins has not come through. And I don't think the Vikings as a team, they've got to help them. I don't think the Vikings as a team are going to be able to come through, unfortunately. Uh, lately, now, maybe the odds are in our favor, though, Dave, because we've lost the last two at home to the, the Packers. So maybe we're due for, for one, and and we're due for – maybe we can have another strong, solid performance like we did last week. But, but even last week, where we outgained – the Chargers significantly. We had a 12-minute, almost 12-minute time of possession. It was one-score game, and we still did a lot of the things that show Zimmer Ball is still alive and well. <laughs> Giving up that score late in the first half, the 10 penalties Ooh. for 118 oh, yards. Oh, God, that was, I was the, uh, the, Two minutes left in the, the first uh, half. What's going to happen? The opposing team's going to score? Yeah. yeah, not just a field goal. Like yeah. a touchdown. There go and then we had the the limp two-minute first-half drive by our own offense, which helps the other team more than it actually helped us. Uh, so those things just keep happening, and it's, so it's really hard to have any confidence that the Vikings can do what they need to do against the Packers, which is to play another solid offensive game and, and come through with the win here. Uh, if it's close, though, if it's close, we showed the special teams uh, rankings mm-hmm. earlier in the game, and there's a big advantage there for the Vikings in the return game and in the kicking game. Mason Crosby's really struggling this year. As Joseph uh, just missed said. seven, missed seven kicks. Now six of them were in that Bengals game. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't six, but he missed three. Uh, but he, but he has been struggling, and so um, yeah, may, that maybe that's the deciding factor. It comes down to a field goal. Uh, like it often does with the Vikings, and either Joseph makes that field goal to win it, or Crosby misses that field goal to lose it. Okay, that's all I got for you. Before we sign out, I want to congratulate 
Mary, she has been watching her grandson play in the the tournament to make the Minnesota State Finals. His team went out. I saw as of like three quarters, it was they were up like forty-two to six or something. They were cruising to a win. Mary, congratulations on that. Wish wish that for me to him when you talk to him today, and uh, the rest of you. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay sound. Stay healthy. Make sure you drink your favorite beverage because that always makes life more grand. And tomorrow, let's eat the teasers. <laughs> Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings, baby. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite activity. Skull, everybody. Skull.